All right. Um, what's up, Danny? Not much. Just hanging out. What's happening with you? Not much. I I was thinking about this on the drive here. It's a pretty interesting story. So I randomly... I'll be the judge of that. Okay. <laughs> so I randomly met these two people at the Basilica, because I was just vibing in sure. the Basilica. And we were going... I guess I'm going to give you a long story, because it's kind of funny. Um, I was going to find the bathroom, and this girl was also trying to find the bathroom, and she was like... I'm going to say a bad word. And she was like, if I have to ask a f-ing priest where the bathroom is, I'm going to lose it. And I was like, I know, right? And then she was like, I'm not even a Catholic. I was like, I'm not either. I'm just at this basilica. And she was like, yeah, I'm a Presbyterian. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was raised Presbyterian. And then I was like, and then I, being the nerd, was like, I was like, PCA, EPC, Echo, or PCUSA. And she was like, I don't even know what you just said. Yeah. Did you start speaking in tongues? <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, and anyway, so she basically told me, long story super short, we super like connected in this Basilica bathroom and she had told me she recently joined the denomination that I left, um, to go to seminary. And so it was super, she's going to seminary. She's going to seminary. Um, and then I'm, and she was like, oh my gosh, you have to meet my friend who he's also going to the seminary of the denomination I left. Basically, we hit it off, and then the other day, we finally hung out, the three of us, which was, it was a very fun time, but it was so interesting, and this is going somewhere important. <laughs> like, you're like, oh, what I sure so. <laughs> It was so interesting to hear from them, though, because neither of them grew up in the denomination that I left. Okay. Um, so they have found a lot of healing in that space that mm. I found a lot of hurt and ended up leaving. And it was such an interesting dynamic because I actually felt very heard and listened to. And I was like, by I, them. By them. Okay. And I was like, how many people do you know in this denomination that are there right now that are y'all's age that grew up in the denomination? And they were like, almost none. And I was like, okay. So I think that says something that I think that. That's really interesting. So their experience is mostly the people that are part of that denomination are young con converts like, con- like yeah but so they're not like cradle people no which was huh. and that was interesting to me because i was able to see from the outside the ways that joining the i'm just gonna go ahead and say the denomination dude everyone knows it. Just okay say it. um I- <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome to season two episode five you don't know what we're talking about yet. well like they found a lot of healing in the pca sure and i and it was just interesting for them to hear, like, they grew up in very, a bunch of different kind of... Did they grow up Christian? or like... They grew up Christian, okay. but they had some really harmful theology that they feel like being in the PCA has, like, helped. And so I just... And... Pull it together, Emily. Um, I've also talked to people who... So I've moved from a more conservative theological space to a more progressive theological space. For lack of better terminology, I think you know what I'm saying by that. Yeah. Um, and some people I know who came to the PCA came from UMC spaces or from progressive spaces. And I just find that so interesting of like, is there something along the lines of we need, we need to end up in church spaces that corrects mm. the like issues we've heard? It's a really interesting and compelling idea. And I would say, so as a preacher, I think about this all the time, mm-hmm. like when I'm preaching a new topic, or any topic, I'll never say like, hey, you know the story. 
And so you'll say, I know what you're saying about that. But for anyone listening that maybe doesn't know what you're talking mm. about, about transitioning from like a more conservative, like, what do you mean by that? And what do you think that means? I mean, you can't tell their story, but I wonder for like someone listening, maybe they, they're in the, the midst of that and they're on um, the others. Um, yeah. On there. Maybe they're in a conservative space and they want to go to a progressive, progressive, conservative searching for healing. But I just, when you said, you know what I'm talking about, I was like, I do, but maybe yeah. you're a listener. You're like, though. okay. Um, no, that's a great question. So I actually am going to tell somebody else's story. <laughs> right. I can tell whatever story I want. Um, but so basically I was, I got lunch with this lady from the church I grew up in and she, uh, was raised UMC, UMC progressive. This is what she said. She was like, they very much were about Jesus loves everybody. Um, you know, women were allowed to do stuff, all that. And she was like, but that's like, all I heard is this God loves everybody. Sure. And she was like, so when I found the PCA or some, what I mean by conservative theology, I'm going to end up saying this negatively and I'm not meaning to, yeah, but so can we for, go with it? For context, like we have to use certain words yeah. in our vernacular to like make points. Like, and yes. they're not complete. So I think caveat that, like there are things you're going to say that maybe have different connotations. You're not necessarily saying yeah, thank you. So, like, I'm going to use the term... Con- I feel bad saying that. If I'm talking well, conservative about... conservative is not an inherently bad no, that term. No, I'm yeah. about to say a different word. I was oh, about to great. say it's generally more exclusive, oh, which feels sure. kind of... Sure. I'm not trying to say that meanly. But I think it's helpful for the point you're making. So okay, okay, okay. And so they were more exclusive in regards to who can do certain things, and they were also much more... Um, they emphasized sin and brokenness a lot more. So she was like, for the first time, I when I joined that denomination, I understood why it was such good news that God loves everybody. Sure. And I saw how the gospel works, and I saw this very... The PCA is very much like, this is the mechanics of salvation. Right. And I get, I get why that would be compelling. Because I will say, moving into a UMC space, I found a lot of healing and ability to like grow and wrestle... But we're a little less clear. Sure. I'd say. Well, in some way, I mean, I, I sent you that article today about limited yeah. atonement, which is like the nerdiest thing that anyone could say they sent <laughs> someone. But I was thinking about it because it was from a, a, I imagine a Presbyterian person, but likely it was a Calvinist for sure. But, um, but I was just, I was interested. I was like, it seemed, you said that word, it didn't cross my mind, but it seemed very mechanical, right? It was like, these are, this is the, and we talked about this on several episodes past about, I think it's season one about apologetics. Like, mm. It was about what we believe, how we can deter anything that maybe we, other people deter from that, but also it was a very like systematic mechanical, like this is how we get to this place. You know what I mean? And that there's a lot of, you don't really have to live in the gray if you live in that. Yeah. It's very black and white. It's very, this is how it is. And so all that to say, I think I find it interesting. I was talking to someone who I went to the same campus ministry with and he went from, like the UMC to the PCA. And he was like, I don't understand. I'm struggling to understand you doing the opposite thing that I did. And I was like, Mm. so I struggle to understand your story. Sure. But I think we're all, I guess it just showed me that we're all trying to figure out. And I think it's okay if you go to a place that maybe, maybe quote unquote overcorrects, if that's what you need to understand. Yeah. I, well, I remember when I came to, Missouri. It was my first time working in a UMC church and I was working at a fundamentalist seminary. And mm. I remember the people in there when I had said, I'm going to, cause I didn't know much about denominations at this point. So I'm going to the United Methodist church. And like, at that point I knew I was pretty 
inclusive. I probably wouldn't have used the the definer of progressive, but I knew it was inclusive. And I remember telling them that, and they were like, "Well, that's not really like that's not really a Christian denomination." And so, but there is like this idea of like when you go from one thing to another, from the group you're leaving, it seems like sin. But from what I think is actually really healthy about what I'm hearing you say is like you're maybe seeing for it not maybe the first time, but at least currently at this point, like there's a deconstruction process happening both ways mm. and there's healing happening both ways. Yeah, yeah. That was such a beautiful <laughs> way to say that. And I think that's okay. And honestly, that helped me and challenged me mm. and that sometimes it can be easy to like villainize maybe my upbringing or like, or the denomination I came from to be like, Oh, well, they told me this and they told me this. And I can say like, hearing them talk, I was able to see, oh, there were these things that I heard that I've never had to deconstruct because I think I heard something that was actually really healthy. Mm-hmm. For example, the idea of heaven and hell, eh, to an extent. You're saying you haven't had to deconstruct that or you have? <laughs> I have, okay, but okay. but I would say heaven specifically, no. So let me give you an sure. example. My new fun PCA friend, she was saying that she had really bad rapture anxiety. So like she was yeah. so, did you have that? Yeah. Have I told this on the, po- have I told this Dustin, my rapture story on this podcast before? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Where you thought it had happened? Yeah. Long story short, I was at a summer camp and I thought that yeah. I was getting raptured. <laughs> you were getting raptured? I th- well, I thought behind. I was left behind. I thought yeah. me, Kirk Cameron and all the rest of the, <laughs> the others were left behind. So, but you continue. Sorry. So, and that was something that growing up in my domination, we never talked about that. It was okay. very much. Because you knew you wouldn't be left behind? <laughs> <laughs> we were chosen. We don't have to worry about it. But um, no, but for real, our eschatology, our theology of the afterlife sure. yeah. um, was so, I still find it so compelling. So we would say that the new heavens and the new earth are coming here. God's not making all new things. He's making all things new. So everything here will be renewed and restored on this world. So there's not going to be like a taking away yeah it wasn't a mass exit like because that's what a lot of people think of the afterlife and like the end times is it's an ejection of creation to a new place but because i would agree with that actually wholeheartedly and so me and me and presby's get along great (laughs) like because i think that is like what i think at least scripture points to is that god is making all things new not all i think that's the i think that's the theme of scripture i mean think about like them walking in the garden and then at the end revelation 21 3 it says behold the dwelling place of god is with man like it's a it's an ultimate story genesis revelation of god wanting to be with his people i think that's so dope sorry that's a side note but like i just love that no i think it's good so for you you're going through this and give me the connection of what you're trying to talk about for this for this podcast (laughs) yeah or for us individually (laughs) right now um okay so i guess what i wanted to talk about i'm that first story ended up a different space that was really inspiring and adorable. So now I'm like, my mind is there, but, um, I want to talk about heaven and hell today. Okay. Let's actually stick to hell. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. Because that is something, although heaven was something that maybe I didn't really have to deconstruct. Hell is something that I've really had to deconstruct because it was what everything was hinging on. If I'm being so super honest. So, um, it was Easter time and I asked you, I don't think we've, I don't know if we've told this story on the podcast, maybe, but I was like, Danny, like, why did Jesus die? If there, if I'm taking away this idea of hell, then I don't see 
why Jesus had to die. Yeah, we had a conversation right over there. Right over there. And it was it was a moment for me when I asked you that question because it felt like such a simple question and I was frustrated because I really like to know things. But I was also just like, is is the gospel contingent on hell to me? Because that bums me out. So where are you at with hell? What are what do you think about hell these days? All that jazz. It's a good question. Um, and our producer Dustin, I will. I'm going to cue you to know that I'm going to ask you your thoughts on this. Just so you know. So just be ready, locked and loaded. Start thinking about it. Um, so I think about it through the lens of baptism. And that whenever I meet with someone for baptism, one of the first things I say to them, especially being in a highly Catholic community, I say, I just want you to know that baptism is not your get out of hell free card. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because for at least, and I don't know what the PCA or Presbyterians as a whole, or really many other, I mean, certain ones, it's like for them, it's without baptism, you're not saved. Is that a Presbyterian thing? No. Sorry, that was a really dramatic response. <laughs> Absolutely not. Baptism is a sign and a seal. It's just an image of you being of you being entered into that community. But you're already elect and chosen. So Absolutely. Yeah, so at least in our context, though I guess this is a very Presbyterian city with covenant and with like a lot of like the, the yeah. kind of flagship things here for the denomination. But so what I would tell people is like, it's not a get out of hell free card, but it's a sign of God's, what we would say is like prevenient or preventing grace. Like that's over us from day one. And so for me, like hell has never been a motivating factor for, uh, for life currently and life in the afterlife, like trying to avoid it. I will say this is a sidebar. Uh, people in the Presbyterian church love to talk about the elect and how God chose us and Methodists are like, there's no predestination. There's no elect, but we also have this thing called provenient grace which is exactly god choosing all people so it's just such dumb semantics that essentially have the same theology we've just like created like different words around it and i think it's really silly (laughs) i actually this is actually pretty interesting okay because there is something there's a lot of worship songs that many mainstream evangelical more arminian like not thinking that there's a certain elect chosen say things in their songs like like in the song gyra it's like i'm already loved i'm already chosen and so i was like I don't understand how to look at that not in the way that I grew up looking at that. But I think we all long to be chosen. Even if everyone's chosen, that's still... I was watching a TikTok about having an anxious attachment style. And and just how, like, people who aren't sure that people will really stick around tend to want this to feel like someone is, like, really extravagantly choosing you. Yeah. And how cool that that language is in scripture. Yeah. For God to say, like, this isn't... Even if it is all people... This is still very chosen. He chose to make you and create you and hit the whole story of the world is him wanting to be near you. Yeah. No, I think that's right. And I think it's a compelling thing. Um, but I just, I don't understand how hell cannot be a motivating factor. So yeah. like, why do you, why follow Jesus? Yeah. Well, I think so for me, two things I would say, and this is a callback to our first season, but the first thing is not serious. Uh, is it's like, we should make a montage of that. you hair flipping. Oh. Uh, you do it all <laughs> the time. So really great. Uh, <laughs> second thing, was, so for me, I get asked this all the time because like, oh, you're like a progressive, inclusive, whatever. So you probably don't believe in hell. I do believe in hell. I believe hell is separation from God. I think we have the opportunity to be separated from God. I think God, given God's will and God's choice, would never choose to let anyone live in separation but i'm a pride i was talking to dustin before this the start like and we we're talking about my wife and i and like i was like people think i'm really nice i'm a selfish a-hole 
Like I do things all the time that don't choose goodness and I know what the right decision is. And I think humanity, just because God is glorious and good, doesn't mean that presented with that, I won't choose to be an a-hole and reject that goodness that's freely offered to me. Because I think it's freely offered. I think God would choose to have everyone live in eternal glory and salvation in heaven. But I think that hell is separation. And I think hell, favorite show of all time, is The Good Place. Mm, can look my, all, that's my favorite yeah, show. It's my favorite. It got me through a divorce. Uh, it's one of... I think it's the greatest depiction of hell because it's what looks like perceived comfort, but you're surrounded by ultimate torment that you like put up with. And I think we think hell is God judgmentally sending people to a place to be poked with a, a trident. And I think what if hell is the place where we think we're getting everything we want, but every night we go to bed and we say, I wish there was something else. Okay. That's a really cool thought. Are you saying that as something after we die, people go to that place? Maybe. This is another thing I said. I don't know anything. I, I know. I know. I don't know anything. I just like to know. So, Dustin, you're, the, and I want to come back to this. So, you're like a theological mutt in some ways, right? Like, so you've been around, you've been in different, and I mean that in a not You need a, a shirt that says that. I don't mean that in a pejorative way. But you've been around and been different denominations. And so, like, how have you, because you have probably been through a long process of maybe constructing and deconstructing around the places that you've held. And have there have been constants and things that have changed and shifted in your understanding of heaven and hell? Hmm. That's a good question. I, I do, I have been in denominations that had very different um, thoughts on it and teachings on it. Their theology was different. I've always been a very compartmentalized person where I can still okay. kind of have my own thoughts and still be a part of a community that maybe believes wholeheartedly in something else that I kind of, Go, you don't need the whole group to believe with you. No. And I think it's also easy for me to go like, um, yeah, I don't have all the answers. Like, I know I'm not that smart. So I, I really trust very wholeheartedly in a God who is that smart, who does under, he made all this stuff, earth, humans, blood cells, orangutans, right? He gets it. I don't get it. So I'm just going to continue to trust that God has a plan I have a really hard time sometimes reconciling Jesus and his, his grace and mercy with billions of people being separated from him. Um, but I also lean hev heavier on the fact that, you know what? He's got this figured out and he's a just God who invented justice, grace and mercy. Yeah. So he's going to have this figured out and it's okay if I don't, but I will say when I first became a Christian, hell was a definite motivating factor. Yeah. It was my, it was a pendulum from Jesus is super rad. And I want to, this is like the first, mm. you know, like you were just revolutionary in relationship with him. Yeah. Like, like revel, like I've always been like Che Guevara. Yeah. Rage against the machine. Yeah. Like people that were rebellious and I just dug that Jesus was so rebellious and, mm. and he was also, um, but he wasn't rebellious against people that were weaker than him or, marginalized. And I always loved that. And so I wanted him, but I was also scared, uh, uh, to hell of hell. Sure. Right. And so I had both. Um, I'm not nearly as scared of hell anymore because I do believe in his just, his justice, his holiness, his yeah. mercy, his grace. Well, we've talked about this before and put a pin in it. Cause I think you were going to say something <laughs> and I feel bad that I just cut you That's off. Okay. But we've talked about this before is that like, I think it's presumptuous presumptuous of us to say like we know what God's justice is 
and I think that's an interesting thing for me too, is like, do like, if I know what is just to God, have I then created God in my own image? And have I done all like, and I'm very excited to hear where you're at. But for me, like I am on that. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, when I think about heaven and hell, like I think that someone choosing not to embrace God's goodness is not a lack of justice on God's behalf. It's a lack of humility and wholehearted pride on our behalf. For sure. I dig that. So I have two things. First, the interesting thing that you're saying, like, is it, um, <laughs> is it, what is, it's presumptuous for you to say that you like understand God's justice and you're making God in your own image. Yeah. I dig that. However, I've been thinking about this the past few weeks. I don't think I've said this on here yet. It is interesting though, that Jesus often like points to our own understandings of what's right and wrong to say, like, if you, if you think this, how much more so will your father in heaven? Sure. I.e., he says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more your fathers in heaven loves you, like, oh, to your children. I didn't say that part. Like, how much more will your fathers who is in heaven, like, give Can you? Can you sing it like Maverick City would? Or? No. No. Um, and, but the thing is, it's like, Jesus says, he's like, you get, you know how to give good gifts. Yeah. I so it's even gifts. better than yeah. that. <laughs> Danny's like, I have great, great gifts. Um, <laughs> but so like, there is something in me that wonders if we actually are kind of allowed to listen to ourselves and say like, if this feels really messed up, yeah, then it might not be true of God. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And so the other thing though is interesting is I, I think your image of someone choosing separation from God, I find that more compelling I grew up in a sense that everyone is born completely deserving of wrath forever. If someone said, Emily, you don't deserve to be treated like that. I looked in their face and said, I deserve hell. Yeah. I just talked to someone about this. About, you the other day. about me? Yeah. <laughs> um, like, I would just say that to people. They were like, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. But. Hey, my name's Kevin. Nice to meet you. <laughs> I deserve hell. <laughs> um, <laughs> but for example, I think, I think there's something different there is. I thought I was talking to someone about this yesterday that my sister like asked someone, you know, like what about babies who don't sure or who die? And the, her, the person said to her, well, babies of Christian parents go to heaven and babies of non-Christian parents go to hell. Yeah. And Molly was like, no. Like, yeah. Like, so the question is like, do we think God chose, like, that's the difference I hear. Like, you're saying God chose all of us to go to hell. Not, I'm not and I'm not you, saying I think this. Yeah, yeah okay. like, what the, a, a strong faction of belief is that God chose for most of us to go to hell. Or all of us to go to hell. No, and that's what, the, sorry. You go. Well, so I'm saying God chose for all people to have the opportunity to not live in separation. We choose separation. Your belief, not your belief, yeah, but the belief yeah, is, yeah. like, we chose our separation. No. No, God, sorry, God, I'm like getting mixed up. You're, yeah. you're, what you're saying is like God would have elected some and God chose other people to live in damnation. And and you're born so filthy that you deserve that. And so like it, when someone, some I was told that too, like babies of non-Christian parents go to hell, babies of Christian parents go to heaven. And people are like, well, that doesn't sound like a very kind God. I'm like, well, it's kind that even one baby gets to go to heaven. Yeah. Like that's what I would say is I would say we're all so... And this is the other issue, okay? This is why, this is where you get into predestination and things like that and being chosen because I grew up 
And I still, I don't know what I think about this anymore, but like we would say you are so dead in your sin that you are, you are so vile and gross that you do not have the capacity to choose God. So God has to choose you. Like I would never choose that on my own. But again, and this is what I was trying to say a minute, like the, the, I would say the flaw in that theology is Mm -hmm. that, that God is just choosing arbitrarily to send certain people to hell. It would be more God's choosing arbitrarily to get some people out of that. But that, but that's the thing is that would mean that the scope of the world, that the natural progression of humanity is to be born and go to hell. And then if you don't do that, well, good on you. And that is messed up. Well, I'll say an interesting thought experiment is messed up by what standard? Any any standard. If you if you who are evil know how to give good gifts, I want any, you to know. Hey, I'm asking. I'm still your that? friend. I'm asking you questions, but I want you. So, by like, but those are all human justice standards. I can't. I cannot imagine meeting a person that would say that's killing it. That is so kind. I would agree with that. Yeah. So, by any standard, by a natural, there's something moral in us. Right. And so I think that, yes, I agree with you. Am so, I, sorry, am I not answering your question? You're not really answering my question. Okay. But I think my question was, like, if we're saying, again, we're the arbiter, because I don't agree with that. Like, that, no, I agree with what you're saying. Uh-huh. I don't agree with the theology that, like, God yeah, is, like, yeah. sending people to heaven. But, again, my biggest fear in all of it is when we get into these conversations, we are the arbiters of justice. We are the definers of moral, like, okay. goodness. Yes. But I think I've been on the other side of that, which is, like, God is the God decides justice. You don't freaking get it. And so we're going to say a bunch of messed up shit and then be like, well, you don't get God's justice. And that I think is actually also freaky because then you're still making humans, the arbiters of justice, but you're just saying you won't be able to understand it because this is what God says. But take it back to your friends, right? The, the new PCA people, they found, let's go. They found healing. Yeah. And so someone was, because they think they're chosen. Right, but someone had given them a a idea of truth, and then they've stepped outside of it, and they said, like, maybe this person wasn't, right? And there's a wider scope of that that's now being painted. And so I think there, this is where I think that there is a little bit of, like, hubris and arrogance for, like, me. Like, I have to say, as a United Methodist clergy person, my theology is not 100% correct. For sure. None and of I us think are ours. As a Presbyterian, a Catholic, whatever, like, we're not 100% correct. And we're a mosaic, I think I've said this before, like we're a mosaic of theology that's being put together. Mm. And like, that's where I wonder, even in conversations like this, and this is where I get like, uh, and really, I'm really trying to live into like the, I want to argue with you. I'm like, I'm really trying to get into that today. I feel like we've kind of been. Uh, But I would say. (laughs) Dustin goes, no, you haven't. What's the motivating factor of a lived life? And having life in Jesus. And I think, Dustin, I thought you said it, whether you thought it was profound or not. Like, (laughs) Jesus is rad. And Jesus offers us life that's radical and countercultural to what the world offers. There's no part of Jesus' story that said, do this so that you don't burn. His story said, do this so that you could have life and life in the fullest. And I think we have constructed mostly by way of bad early writers like Dante's Inferno built really bad. And well, that's actually probably really It's a classic. So it's not bad. <laughs> but we've created theologies around fiction 
and we've been like, but this is what God wanted because it was, and this is what I said to someone else the other day. Like I was, our theologies are humans reconciling what we think we might know, not what we think we, not, not what we do know. Absolutely. And that's where like all of this in my mind fall. And so in a deacon, so I want to always try to pull it back in okay, deconstruction. Yeah. So from my perspective, though, I'd love to hear yours because you're in more of the, the midst of a deconstructionist process. Like for me, like I think what I would want to deconstruct and have around my ideas of heaven and hell is that it's somehow this like, what was, I just watched some like Marvel movie and there was like a, there was a scale and like they put your heart, oh, it was Moon Knight. They put your heart on it. And if you were lived a good life, it was yeah. whatever it was bad. And it's like, that's what we think are, that's what we think we're doing. Mm-hmm. That's like an ancient like theology for the Egyptians. And that's what we think we're doing is like our hearts are being ripped out of our chest and put on a scale. If we were good, we're good. If we're bad, we get thrown into the whatever and we die. And so like for you though, is you're like, and I've had to deconstruct that to be like, I don't think that's really yeah. what God would want. And what, and again, I guess I'm the moral authority on deciding what I think God would want in that. But, uh, so contradicting myself at every level, but for you, it's unavoidable. It's unavoidable. Have you guys heard of the Holy spirit? I know the Holy spirit's welcome here. Asking it to flood this place. But that, saying, okay, this is going to feel very like reformed of me to say, but I think it can get sketchy to, to be like, well, the Holy Spirit told me this, because then you're just like, I can say that about anything. I can be like, Holy Spirit told me to kill Danny. I think that, but I would say, so I would agree with that. But also I remember when Rob Bell wrote a book and my conservative friends were like, uh, well, that's not from the Lord. And because in the book, he talked about the Holy Spirit revealing things to him. And he's like, and I was like, I thought this book was the greatest thing I'd ever Love read. Wins or what? And people, I think it was Love Wins probably. And people were like, well, and this, one of my favorites is when my friends only read the back cover and he's like, this is heresy. I was like, well, read the first chapter before you say that. But it was like, he says the Holy Spirit spoke this to him and like, that's just BS. And so I think there's like the Holy Spirit does speak to us, but are we, it, are we <laughs> blaspheming it by saying that it can't be real because we don't again acknowledge what we think the truth of what it's saying is i lean toward your friend's response i'm not saying that's right like still would you like if someone's like the holy spirit said this to me would you still lean that way i'm not saying that that's good or i'm proud of that but that is naturally where i go i'm not saying the holy spirit's bad it's just like i tend to if someone says the but your father's son in the holy bible not the holy spirit (laughs) but that's but that's the thing right is because the holy spirit is is messy and unreliable that's not what i'm trying to say i'm not god is good but like (laughs) but what i mean by that is it's hard it's you can't black and white it you can't put it in this mechanics thing and so then we just say see ya buddy i want you know how much i love this because i'm literally watching you i don't say deconstruct but you're wrestling with your understandings of two things in real time yeah and i think that's what this whole process is right like you, for me, I would put the Holy Spirit above the Bible. If no, I and I would too. And I'm not saying you wouldn't, but I'm also saying I think you would. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. I'm saying I naturally lean that way. Not that that's where I want to be. Yeah. So in this, so. But I think, I think if anyone says God told me this, I think that that is some sketchy stuff. Well, it's even worse. I will say when they say God told me to tell you. Yeah, no, that I is don't some, accept that. That is some real sketchy stuff because we. 
clearly the Bible says we all have the Holy Spirit living in us. It's the same Holy Spirit, right? Helper helping us. Why would he tell you, not me? I, I'm not a big fan of that because every single time that's come out of somebody's mouth, the stuff that they said was real whack. Yeah. I think I remember my wife did, and I hope that none of her old friends listen to this, but she did uh, like a mission thing uh, in Indonesia for like a season in her early 20s. And that was one thing she noticed a lot of like was happening there and was people saying like, well, the Holy Spirit told me that you should or shouldn't do this or like God told me you should or shouldn't. And it was seemed like manipulation and like that's pretty brutal. But the reality is like to your point, and I think you're like the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Like, how do we differentiate when it's my agenda versus your agenda? You can't. So maybe you just don't listen. I don't actually think that, but that's what I lean to. Do you not? Like, I'm not, I'm not actually saying that, but I'm saying can it's I, can so we walk sketchy. Up? So like, would you, so say, this is an interesting <laughs> question. So as we're talking about deconstruction, did you feel yourself being nudged by the Holy Spirit to deconstruct? And you said, I'm not going to listen to it. I'm going to listen to the Bible instead. Good question. Let me think. I don't have a, oh my God. I don't have a category for listening to the Holy Spirit. Okay. That's not a thing that we do. Yeah. That's, that's but I do feel like it was God. Like, I feel like it was me following God out the door in a sense. So I say like, like it, uh, it doesn't feel like the Holy Spirit was inside of me pushing me to do that. It felt like I saw God in a different place and like, move toward him in that way you're talking about deconstruction yeah yeah this is mm. interesting this yeah is... this went a different direction than i thought it would but i'm i'm digging it i'm stressed because, yeah that's what i think i might like it uh-huh oh can we just keep going and maybe split this up or no well here i mean here's the deal my bladder's only got time for two episodes with a break in between <laughs> okay I don't know how to wrap this up. And maybe that's the point. You can't always wrap up deconstruction. Well, I want to... So I think we, let's talk more about it. and Because I think it will weave more into this. But for me, what's interesting is... I think for the first time in our season and a half, we got to what was, I think, the most compelling pressure point of deconstruction is the internal voice and the internal contradictions that we're like wrestling with at any given point. Cause it sounds like there's lots of things that are guiding us. And for the first time we watched the like real life collision of those. Things. Because you have, if you've grown up in the church, you have a bunch of stuff locked and loaded and you yeah. know what to say to all this stuff. And now you're saying, well, let me rethink that. But there's still something gnawing at you. That's like, but this is what you're supposed to say in this yeah. moment. Well, I mean, even this conversation, like there are times you'll say things and I wonder, do you actually believe them? Because I can't tell if you're saying them because they're a locked and loaded response or if it's, something that you like and not to say like i think you're disingenuous but i can tell there are times where there are words that like you've been taught to say if you've been pushed in a certain pressure point Mm -hmm. and sometimes the faster you respond the more like natural the response seems you know if that makes sense because it is more natural yeah because it's it's easier it's more nat. it's my default and so to fight your default all the time is exhausting so this has nothing to do with heaven and hell which is where we started but you just, and I would say, I really do appreciate you because I can tell you're, there's discomfort that you're wrestling. I'm not frustrated with you. No, no, no yeah. I'm but I can tell you're like, your body posture has shifted. I can tell there's discomfort. 
even like internally as you're wrestling with this. Oh yeah. So, I hate this. So someone's listening and they're feeling that exact same thing mm. right now. And like they're going through this and it just happened to be, this was the first episode or they've been with us the whole time. They're there. And you said something, Dustin, I, whoever our conversation catalyzed that feeling in them. What is your encouragement out of the depth of your soul where you're sitting for that person that's there right now? And maybe you don't have anything. I'm trying to think of what I would like to hear right now. What keeps what keeps coming to my mind is like it's okay to not know, because I hate that. And I know I can say we can't know everything about God. Whatever, I get that. But it's like I want to understand so badly, and I feel like I don't right now. And that's this frustration, mm. and that is also. It's also very vulnerable for me because to me, if I show that I don't know something, then I've opened up for you to not respect me. Yeah. Which we've talked about for you is a, is a big, it's a core value for me. Core values to be respected. Yeah. Theologically respected. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was, yeah. Cause that was the only way I had even an ounce of a voice. Mm. Well, I would say on the other end of this, you're as much, if not more theologically respected, but as a person, I respect you because I think this is an uncomfortable place to go for a lot of people and to do it not just with someone in a room and then two other people that no one else can see, yeah. but also in front of the people that we have listening. I think it's very vulnerable, but also maybe the most pastoral thing you could do is invite people into that space with you and help them walk through it. And so I appreciate you in doing that. Thank you for saying that. I mean it. You like called me pastoral. That's like a really big deal to me. Well, I mean it. I think you are. Yeah. I oh, I wish I was so much more better with emotions. <laughs> I don't. I will cry in front of literally anybody. This is not bothering me. Yeah. But thank you. That was really. That <laughs> no, really I mean it. Me. I think. That... And I think that was even a moment to watch of like. This that moment is like, some hurt being healed. Mm. Yeah. That's what, I mean, that we don't, I asked you the questions you then, but I would say that would be my encouragement. It's like this process is in its core, a healing process. It's like, it feels painful at times, but it's a process of holistic healing. And I think that's where we're hoping to push through all this. And not like you said this really early on, it's not reconstruction out of shame because it's where you have to get, yeah. but it's healing from the wounds of what happens in the process of deconstructing. This is a really side note, but I like, I'm how I'm feeling in this moment right now is how I felt almost every moment when my was like really starting my deconstruction or really like it was intense. And I also just want to say that it is okay to take breaks. Yeah. I actually think that's why I became a stand-up comedian because yeah. I love comedy because it, I could take a break and laugh. Yeah. And I know that's not really what we're talking about, but I want to say that that's okay too. Yeah. And you're a damn good stand-up comedian. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want to send us out? So we're going to come back. We're going to wrap up. We're going to keep going. Yeah. But do you want to send us out for this episode with any word of encouragement, anything as people go from this place and into whatever their spaces of deconstruction are? I just want to say, like, you're doing okay. <laughs> and it's okay to take breaks. And it's okay to take your time. And it's okay to not know. But I also know it sucks. And it's okay to be honest that it sucks. And embrace the journey. Embrace the journey.